Thank you, worship team. Uh, this morning, you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. We're going to be looking at continuing in our study, doing a very simple passage, uh, like many other passages in the book of Matthew, the other Gospels, uh, talking about one of the miracles, the healings of Jesus. Sometimes reality is hard to find, uh, especially as uh, we consider our own life. Uh, when we're children, uh, we have moms. We have moms. And moms are the sweetest thing in all the world. Uh, God has blessed uh, as part of His design. Uh, to get, but moms aren't concerned with reality most of the time. Uh, when your son or daughter uh, does a coloring page, they say, this is beautiful. This is the most beautiful thing in all the world. It's not. It's not. In fact, if you have a young boy, it's usually shades of black and brown scribbles outside the lines. It, it may be beautiful to you. It may be something that you want to encourage your son or daughter with. And yet for them, they're just like, man, I'm a great artist. My mom said so. My mom said so. Um, that's, if you're still going on that and you're like 40, that's not really a good thing. Or, you know, you're 40 and you're, so my mom said I was the best. They do this at sporting events too, uh, where they watch their son or daughter out there playing. And uh, after the game, they, they win the game, or even if they lose the game, they say, you played a great game. You did your best. You, you should have scored more goals. You should have got more hits. If that umpire would have been different, uh, he didn't see that one. That was wrong. You, it was injustice. Uh, and reality is hard to find. Reality is hard to find. Uh, especially we, we do this as we're young and we uh, the reality of life sometimes hits along the way and it's a, a rude awakening when we finally realize that there are others better than us. Uh, I wish we could contain this struggle for reality to just our childhood, but later in life it happens as well, right? Uh, we look at our appearance or we look at uh, uh, the, our accomplishments in life and we sometimes make excuses or we uh, do uh, touch-ups or I think of, you know, different uh, pictures. And uh, the, the idea of touching up a photo is a good thing now, right? Uh, it's changing the reality of life. And this morning, as we look at this passage, um, it's a lot of interaction with Jesus. It's a, a couple of different groups of people and uh, it's in perspective and context with all of Jesus' earthly ministry. And I want to tell you that the only one with proper perspective is, uh, we can count on is Jesus. That He's the one who can tell us how we're doing. He's the one that can look into our heart. He's the one that can consider uh, the life that we have uh, made for ourselves and taken steps to uh, set up this way. He's the one that can either say, yes, that's what I wanted, or no, that's not what's best for you. It's trying to find the reality of where we stand uh, before our Savior. And this morning, uh, we're just going to look at the, uh, a small passage in chapter 20. 
starting starting at verse 29. Please stand in honor of God's word. I'd like to read this to you. And as they went out uh, of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they they cried all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, what do you want from me? What, what, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, Let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. God, we ask your blessing on this section of your word. May we hear from you. Uh, May you change us. May you show us, give us a glimpse of reality. God, thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for um, your long-suffering. Some of us have walked with you and walked off the path from you for a very long time. God, do your work in us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Reminded of this passage that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And uh, parents do this, firemen do this, police officers do this, people in the military do this. Um, It's this idea of going in the wrong direction. You you know about that? Going in the wrong direction. When you're at your house and you hear screams and crashes in the other room, which way do you run? If you're a mom or a dad, you run to it, trying to uh, salvage your possessions and your children from hurting each other and themselves and because there's a problem going on and you're going towards the problem. Police officers do this as well where uh, they hear gunshots and uh, normal people run the opposite direction. But police officers go in. Uh, In in the military, the same way, you have uh, people who it's Middle East and there's uh, conflict and they say, that's where I'm going. Uh, Firefighters, I was talking to some folks in the last couple of weeks and they talked about how in Bear Valley uh, they saw saw smoke and they grabbed their stuff and they they went to this place and most of us aren't doing that. We're grabbing our stuff and heading towards the gate. We have this idea, and, and this is what Jesus is doing. Uh, he has told his disciples he's going to Jerusalem uh, to be persecuted, killed, rise again. And, and there's this march, if you will, towards the cross. And this is where we're at, and Jericho's a stop along the way. And he's, he's marching towards Jerusalem. And you say, well, why is he going? He's going to give himself a sacrifice for many. And as we look at this, this is just a stop along the road. And it's such an interesting, fascinating thing to me that Jesus has this purpose that is drawing him towards Jerusalem. 
And yet even along the way, there's these lessons and stories and healings and miracles. This is what Jesus does. And it's fascinating because it's a plan of God worked out in His Son. And even as we look at time now, Jesus has already been to the cross. Even in our time, in our day, uh, the plan of God, even as I shared with the children, He's working out His plan today. And it will come to an end, in a glorious end, um, as He brings about His purposes in history. So Jesus is going to, uh, He's coming out of Jericho in the certain area, and a, a great crowd had followed Him. This idea of the great crowd is always uh, coming upon Jesus in His earthly ministry. And people are drawn to Jesus. Some just to watch and are interested, uh, kind of like a freak show type thing. They're, they're kind of, I can't stop watching, and, but they're not really in. But others came and followed him. Not just they traveled with him, but they said, yeah, he's the one I follow. He's the one I listen to. And so you have this great crowd, uh, Jericho, and they're on their way. Uh, Jesus is on his way to the cross. And it, we get in this scene, this crowd is following on the way to Jericho. We look down at verse 30, and it says, And behold, two blind men were sitting by the roadside. The reason they were sitting by the roadside is that's what blind people did. Uh, with no hope, with no uh, occupation, uh, they were damaged goods in the society, and they were considered... Uh, Outcast, but not just outcast, but just you're in poverty forever. And so there's, they, they find their spot, and it's their spot along the roadside where they're hoping someone would show them mercy and give them money. That we, they would be somehow kind to them because they were blind and they couldn't do anything else. As you think about this, uh, you realize in our society, uh, eyesight is still a huge deal. Still a huge deal. But there's many, many things that have gone on to make it a little bit more comfortable to live, even if you didn't have eyesight, but it would be a big thing. It was much greater in Jesus' time. It's interesting, too, that when I shared with you the idea of reality, if you don't have your sight, it's hard to know, right? Uh, today, uh, the weather... I thought of this weather we have out here. It's kind of Seattle-like weather, but it's not dark enough, right? Uh, those of you from Washington, and, and uh, how, how does that make you feel, by the way? How, does weather make you feel different? Some of you are saying, no, I'm fine. Try living in Alaska, okay? Okay, I've never lived there, but I, if, I can't even, sometimes I watch it on TV and I, I go, oh, it's too dark, you know? Uh, that weird weather, you know? And it, it affects you, it's some, Light, light, the idea of sight, it affects you. It affects your perception. And there's even the idea here, this is not a spiritual uh, picture here. These were actually blind men. But I want to tell you, uh, you can be spiritually blind as well. And that spiritual blindness would cause you to make decisions and see things in ways that aren't connected with reality. So you have two blind men on the roadside because that's where blind men were on the roadside looking 
for some kind of hope because of the difficulty of life for them. There are two blind men sitting by the roadside, and, and when they heard that Jesus was passing by, <coughs> this picture here, it doesn't tell us why, but they heard that Jesus was coming through. Possibly, uh, Jesus had already healed uh, those who were blind prior to this point. He had also done other miracles of casting out demons, and, and, and they knew him. His, his fame had grown. That was part of the crowd. But as, as they heard that Jesus was coming by, this connected with them. This somehow moved them to action. And as they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. So you can picture, you got a crowd, you got a roadside, you got two uh, uh, bl- blind men. And as the crowd passes, you know, there's that rumbling of a crowd. Hey, what's going on? Sounds like there's a lot of people. Oh, Jesus is coming through. And that triggered in them. The scripture says, Matthew records, that they cried out. They cried out. You can imagine, so the crowds before them, they can hear it, and they didn't really know where Jesus was. Maybe they heard his voice. Maybe they didn't know his voice. But they, they knew that Jesus was nearby. And so they cry out for something very uh, important to them. Lord, have mercy on us. And they refer to him as the son of David. Son of David uh, connects to the Old Testament of the Messiah, the Savior that would come. And we don't know how much to put this together if they were told that he was the son of David or they had heard of him being the son of David. But as they addressed him, they were acknowledging that he was the Savior, the Messiah that was to come. And so they cry out to him, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy. Uh, what, what kind of request is that? What kind of request is that? As you, as you think about that, as, you, uh, as someone might ask you something, uh, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. I, I remember, I can't get this out of my mind. I, I wasn't going to share it, but I just can't get it out of my mind. So my brother-in-law is single at this point in our life. And he's actually going to seminary going to seminary i'll get daniel next service but uh he's going to seminary seminary's hard seminary's hard being single a single young man is hard right dane you can't even remember right you've only been married a week and you you that's way back when but uh so singleness is hard seminary's hard and then he comes up to visit us and we have two or three i think we just had two at this time two small boys that think their uncle their single uncle is a jungle gym. And so they're running him ragged and they're jumping on him and kicking him and probably biting him too. And anyways, uh, so in the middle of the night, he's spending the night with us and you just hear him yell. You just hear him yell. He's talking in his sleep, but he's actually yelling on his, in his sleep. He says, Lord, have mercy on us. And I'm like, whoa. And so Rebecca and I are laying there laughing and we're going, is it my boys? <laughs> is it seminary? Or is it singleness? You know. I, 
Um, th- this idea of mercy, uh, of, of crying out, it's not, it's not, hey, I need a little help here. I need a little help here. Hey, could you, could you give me a hand? Can you give me a hand? I'll say it this way. Uh, most of the time, I, I, I want to be drama-free. I, I don't want to act like I'm in real need. I, I want to somehow skate through life being somehow independent and, and able to handle everything. But when you're a blind guy on the side of the road, with another blind guy on the side of the road, and you see your opportunity, it says they cried out. And they called out wherever he was, wherever he was in the crowd, Lord, have mercy on us. We need you. We need you. And, and so, as they came, you know, they were crying out. You look at the, the passage, and it doesn't tell us a whole lot of details, other than they said, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And then in verse 31, it says, the crowd rebuked them. I want to make this clear. So you have the, the, the blind guys on the side of the road. They can't see. They're probably poor. Almost undoubtedly they're poor. But definitely they don't have their eyesight. And the people standing, the people standing with their eyesight, probably with food, probably with things, that, but they're just followers after Jesus. They're, they're, they're part of this crowd. And they look to those who are by the roadside and they say, they rebuke them. They rebuke them. The standers were pointing to the people on the side of the road and saying, stop it, stop it. We don't know specifically what caused them so much, what bothered them so much about this cry out for help. It's, it, it seems to go to that they be, need to be quiet. You look at verse 31, they rebuked them, telling them, be silent, be silent. And the idea here is this, that Jesus is on his road to Jerusalem. The crowd is following him. Jesus may or may not be teaching. We don't have record of that. They just enjoy following after Jesus. It's it's all, things are going well. But then there's a stop in the story. Because these two had called out, they cried out to Jesus for mercy. And the response of those standing being with them, we don't know if this is the disciples or the, you know, how this all became the crowd, but they said, you need to be quiet. I, I... you know, I, I think about that and I go, boy, why, why would they do that? I want to tell you something here. I want to tell you something. I want to give you some context. Do you remember the last passage we looked at? Look at it. Look at it in your Bibles. Do a rewind. A mother's request, right? A mother's request for her adult sons. Her adult sons, what do they want? They want a a spot of privilege, spot of privilege. And they're jockeying for position. They're saying, take me to the right or to the left of you, Jesus. Take me, give me power and position in your kingdom. And uh, you you contrast this idea 
of seeking position, thinking even that they deserve. Remember the other disciples didn't like that they asked for it, right? Because they probably thought they needed, you know, they deserved it. And there was this idea that we deserve, we deserve. The blind guys, what did they say? Jesus, come over here and heal us because we deserve it. You know how long we've been, you, you need to do this for me. No. They cried out for mercy to the Savior. They cried out for mercy to the Savior. And the response of the crowd was, you need to be quiet. What would you do at this point? If this were you. If you were blind and waiting on the roadside and this came your opportunity, what would you do? I don't know what I'd do. Um, sometimes I don't like it when people confront me and they say, don't do something. And maybe I'll just be compliant. Sometimes I'm not, though. But I love the response. What, what, what happened? Well, so they were crying out to the Lord. Uh, the crowd rebukes them to be silent. But it says, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. They were loud enough to be heard the first time. They got rebuked. They needed to be silent. And so they recoiled and were louder and were louder. Why? Why were they louder? You've you got to connect this together. You've got to see that they saw Jesus as the one they needed, the only one that could help them. Do you, do you think that if they could have figured out a way to not be blind anymore, they would have done it. If they could have fixed themselves, they would have done it. If they could have bought their way out, they, they would have figured out a way to get the money to do it, they would have done it. But they found themselves in a situation there was no way out other than Jesus. Other than Jesus, and he was right before them. So they cried out once for mercy, got told to be quiet, and they cried out again even louder, even louder. As we look at this passage, we, our story moves. Uh, Lord have mercy, son of David. Uh, it says this in verse 32, and stopping, Jesus called out to them and said, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus understood that they were asking, they were asking for something. He, he turns to them and he says, what do you want me to do for you? What, what is it that you're asking? They said, Lord, let her eyes be open. Let her eyes be open. That's ridiculous. Can't be done. Can't be done. So, so they had to make this connection. Um, they, they undoubtedly had gone to doctors before. They, they had talked to probably even healers before, people who had claimed to be healers. And they were still blind. Um, but they somehow looked at Jesus as different than all the other routes they'd taken before. And so they dared to ask him, Jesus, could you open my eyes? Could you open my eyes? And it says this. In verse, uh, move down to verse 33. They said to him, let it, Lord, let our eyes be open. And Jesus in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight. 
What a great thing, huh? What a great thing. I would have loved to have been there. This whole scene is, is, is great. I love it. I love it. The crowd missing the point again. Uh, the disciples were part of that. They walked with Jesus and they were full of themselves. They lacked reality. They lacked reality of their own need. These, uh, these two, I love it. I love the whole scene. And it says that Jesus in pity, in pity. You get these words mercy and pity together. Uh, they were crying out not based upon what they deserved. And Jesus wasn't giving them what they deserved. He was giving them what was in his own heart. He saw them and he had compassion on them. He, he hurt for them. And so he had pity on them. And he healed them. Well, those are just some observations from this particular scene. And I want to I bring one uh, last observation and then uh, point it back to ourselves. Where, where are we going to go with this? Um, last two words in chapter 20 just say this. It recovered their sight and followed him. Followed him. Uh, what does that mean, followed him? Well, did they just join part of the crowd? Maybe they did. Maybe they just joined to be part of the crowd. We don't know how many people were there. Maybe it uh, was 30. Maybe it was over 100. We don't know. But this idea is they were blind. They received sight. And now it says they followed him. But when Matthew uses, for the most part, this idea of following him, th- this idea when it comes to following following Jesus it means this it means this that they now had chained their life to him and and you know why too right it's obvious isn't it if you had been blind if you had been blind and now you receive sight every day every day wouldn't you think about that I remember back when I was blind Right, you know, I would think a sunrise would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? Uh, you'd think that uh, the, the green of spring would be amazing, right? The, the, the brightness of a sky and the, the, there would be so many different things that you'd see that you'd go, I hadn't seen that before. Oh, because I used to be blind, Jesus healed me and now I see. There'd be this huge connection. And I want to tell you that Matthew, as... Uh, he records with Jesus' interaction. When Jesus called out to them, when Jesus changed their life, he, he called them as in dis- the disciples. He said, come, follow me. The fishermen left their fishing business. Matthew la- left his tax collecting booth. There were other crowds that came and they saw who Jesus was. They, they heard who he was and they said, oh, we need to follow him. And so as we see this, we realize that these two blind guys received sight. And their response was, oh, I, I got to follow him. I want to ask you something. And hopefully this will connect uh, us this morning with our own lives and how this affects us. What do you think those blind men knew? What, what do you think they knew about Jesus? Did they know that uh, he was God come in the flesh? Did they know about uh, his 
history, his family lineage that would put him, they knew something, right? Uh, they, they knew that they connected him to the Messiah. Did they know what it would cost if there was a, a sense where, did they know all that Jesus would call them to do? And as what, when I say that, I mean like obedience. They, did they know what life would be like if they followed Jesus instead of doing life the old way? You know what I th- think they knew? Very little. Very little. Uh, all they knew, they were blind. Now they see. Th- that, that's all they knew. Let me point out some things that I think these men knew. The first thing they knew, I, I really believe this. I think it, it's, it, it's evidenced in their cries. They knew their need. They knew their need. They were sitting there. and I don't know if any of you have ever sat in the same place, been stuck there for a long period of time. Maybe you've been in the hospital. Maybe you've been sick at home. You've been laid up. And you get plenty of time to think about life, right? Uh, most of the time our lives are so chaotic that we never think about life. But if we're stuck, we're stuck we can't do anything we contemplate our life in their stuck situation i believe they knew their need and this morning i want to ask you uh, do you understand your need the reality of it most of us feel ourselves pretty self-sufficient we say oh I, i i don't need anybody it's my life, I'll go out and live it as I want, and I'll deal with the repercussions. I want to ask you, do you understand your need? Do you understand your need? You know what? Uh, we need him to breathe today <laughs> and everything else. And everything else. You can't handle anything without Jesus. Anything. You say, well, my finances are, you know, we, we've stockpiled a lot of finances, and I'm secure. Uh, I, I don't think you are. I don't think you are. And there are things in this life that money can't buy. You need Jesus. There's problems that you've created in your life and other problems that have found you that you can't solve without Jesus. And the greatest one being the sins that you've committed. I think these men understood their need, their need. They had the reality, I'm blind and I can't do it without Jesus' help. Which brings us uh, to the second point. This this is what I think that they understood. Not fully, not fully, but they understood a little bit. They understood the power of Jesus. They understood the power of Jesus. Uh, undoubtedly other people had passed down that road Uh, other people and maybe they had heard oh the mayor's coming by oh the the rich man oh the doctor's coming by oh there's a great crowd of people and they didn't cry out to the crowd they realized that they needed jesus and and this is super important for for us right now i don't know what's going on in your life I don't know what ups and downs. I don't know if the roller coaster is on the way up or on the way down or you're trying to catch your breath towards the end of the ride. I don't know where you're at. But, but I, I want you to get this. 
that of all the things, you might look in different places and you say, oh, I need a new doctor. I need a new house. I, I need a, a, a better situation. I, I need different family members. I want to trade some family members, okay? Uh, I, I want to upgrade or, you know, simplify my life. So I got rid of this kid and that kid and uh, this husband and this wife, okay? Um, I, maybe th- there's this feeling of need that we have a list. My life will be great if, if these things come into order. And, and I want to tell you that you see your need, but do you see Jesus as the answer, His power in your life? What He can do in your situation. I, I, I think that so often we're looking in the wrong places for the answers to life, and He's the one. His power is what we need. And this was uh, so interesting to me, is that, that I think they, needed, they knew this one other thing. So they, they knew their need, they knew His power, and they knew that he, they needed him more. You think about that and you go, um, they now can see. They now can see. And they could, could have said, hey, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for allowing me to see. Now my life is great. We'll see you later. See you later. I got it going on now. Now I can go jump back into society. I can, you know, go pursue the things that I wanted to but never could. Uh, I'm I'm done. Thank you for what you've done. Now I'm going to go live my life. I don't believe they did that. I believe that it forever had changed their life, that they became followers of Jesus. Why? Because that day reminded them in the days after that all their needs, all the things that they needed were found in Jesus. This morning, um, I want to tell you uh, my, my hope for you, my hope for you is that you would trust Jesus with your life for your salvation, that he would be the one you trust to make your life right with the Father, that, that you would, as you see him do the work to bring him, uh, to bring you to himself, that, that that would affect the rest of your life, that you would see, know your needs continue to go on. I think of uh, those of you who are younger here and not married, and I, I want to say this. Uh, when you set out for the plans of your life, you need Him. You need Him. You're going to wreck your life without Jesus. You're going to wreck your life. I, I look at uh, some of you raising kids right now, and man, there were a ton of kids here in church today. It really thins out real nice when they leave, right? <laughs> There's this, you know, the big exhale. I want to tell you, that's a big undertaking to raise those kids. And I want to tell you, uh, you, you know, we could have better schools. We could have better sports teams and more activities and tats. We could have all these things. That's not what we need. The thing that we need, you as a parent need Jesus to be shaping you and, and pushing you and and guess what? That, that's going to transfer to your kids as well in the sense that you're going to show them, hey, I need Jesus and you need Jesus for the things that you're dealing with. They're dealing with really important stuff like the rabbit dying and people picking up, you know, picking them last at recess and stuff like that. But that, 
They need Jesus. I, I think of those of you who are older and trying to make the adjustments to uh, the older times. Of life. You know what? You need Jesus for the security of your salvation and the end of life, but also to face with courage the days of today. You need him. And you say, well, I, I came to know Christ when I was in my 30s or my 20s or my teens. And I want to tell you this. You're going to need him more for the days to come. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you uh, for your word. Help us to reflect on these things. Help us to see with reality um, our great needs for you. And may we... Uh, be willing and in touch with reality enough that it's it's dramatic and so we cry out to you cry out to you and we will not be distracted from people telling us not to but we'll cry out even louder god do your work in us uh, make us faithful followers of you may we be straining and uh, uh, seeking to follow you in all, all areas of our life God, thank you for us here today. Ask your blessings on our week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.